Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined by top London radio DJ and self-professed Japanophile, Pete Donaldson. Pete, how the devil are you? I profess a lot, and in this case, it's accurate. I'm not just bullshining you, I'm quite into Nihon. You are self-professed. <laughs> I like to uh, mix it up each and every week between certified Japanophile and self-professed Japanophile. You never know <laughs> oh, wow. did quite I get, what to expect. Did I get a certified? I didn't really notice, to be honest, because um, recently I had to do a little... Um, the, the EU Data Protection Act has been reduxed and uh, reimagined, so basically yeah. everybody who deals with data, every person who works for a company has to do this really tedious and uh, kind of um, egg-sucking nonsense um, quiz about uh, data protections and things like that. And so I did mine yesterday and I got my certificate and I got 80% of the questions right because the other 80%. two... yeah, It was like 10 questions oh. and two of them weren't very well phrased, Chris. So that's why so you got eight I dropped of the a couple of 10 points. questions right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, it's imp- point <laughs> I think it's important for me to uh, uh, mention, uh, Chris, uh, thank you very much for uh, doing the show again. I, I don't know why I'm saying that, but um, thank you very much for doing it. But I am wearing sunglasses indoors. Now, I'll tell you for why. I Well, you're a hip radio DJ. I wouldn't I expect anything have, less of I have prescription lenses. Now, I forget sometimes that I've got my prescription sunglasses on because it's rather a sunny day here in uh, London. And I've walked inside and I haven't brought my normal spectacles with me. So now I'm sat in a radio studio, a quite dark radio studio, with my sunglasses on like I'm Tommy Vance. Oh. Confused and disorientated. It's not right. It's not right, Chris. How are you, man? You all right? It's all right. You're, if, it's a cool, <laughs> hip radio look. If you have some sort of celebrity come in, you'll fit right in, mate. You'll fit right in. I'm all right, though. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm actually sitting at my new desk. What? My first ever desk. Holy moly. Have you- <laughs> I've lived here two years now, and uh, I've been doing without a desk the whole time when I edit. It's a bloody nightmare. It's done my back in. <laughs> I typically edit at my... Um, breakfast bar. Kitchen bar area. Yeah, breakfast bar area. And it's not done my back any good. And no. it's just t- turns the whole editing process into a nightmare, <laughs> as you'd uh, imagine. So I spent some pennies on this new tiny desk from Amazon, 
and uh, I'm loving it. I yeah, feel like a king. There's there's nothing better than right. getting a new desk. I, I bought a um like a kind of a Swedish kind of dresser, and I converted it into a desk. I mean, I say converted it. I just took the mirror component off it, and I've got this kind of lovely, <laughs> beautiful. Look. <laughs> I just got this lovely dresser that I use as a as a as a desk. I mean. It doesn't really keep my... I've got, like, an ultra-wide monitor for my perverted uh, gaming session, so it's kind of... And, like, this is, like, a 21 to 9 or 21 to 7 or something aspect ratio. It really is a very wide monitor, and it barely keeps it on uh, on top, on the level. And it's bright enough to get through your sunglasses, your prescription sunglasses. <laughs> exactly. I need that HDR goodness. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. So... I, I've been reading today. There was a there was a news story about uh, an African-born president uh, of a new of a university in Kyoto. Mm. It's quite rare to get an African-born president in Japan at any mm. university, so it's quite an achievement. Uh, and it's kind of maybe making me think about Japanese, the way Japanese people communicate, and a few different oddities in Japanese culture that I thought we would discuss today. Mm. Uh, three key concepts. I've, I've called this uh, this episode Understanding the Japanese Mindset. Does that does that sound appealing? Does that sound interesting? <laughs> well, I mean, we're abroad in Japan, Chris. This is exactly what we need when we're talking to Japanese people. Though. We're sort of like, we're trying to get a, a handle. Because I think Japanese, uh, Japanese people and, and the Japanese culture is so impenetrable at some points. And, yes. And everyone's just into be. stuff. Everyone's got a fetish, everyone's got an interest, everyone's kind of either closed off. There aren't very many open, kind of like, um, jazzy people around. So it does take a while to kind of scratch the surface a little bit. So any of these uh, kind of ideas is really helpful, I think. I found that anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I actually, um, in my degree, which was business and English linguistics, a mm. bit of a weird degree, uh, we spent some time doing intercultural pragmatics, which sounds boring with a name like that, but it's actually quite interesting. Mm. It teaches you, like... Uh, how different cultures communicate with regards to being direct and indirect. Yeah. Uh, kind of gives you a different perspective on different cultures. And I kind of prepared me for Japan a little bit mm. and some of the things that make Japan so unique in the way Japanese people think. So going back to this news story, Usubi Sako is the new president of Kyoto Saiki University. He's lived in Japan for 27 years, uh, but he was born in Mali. And it is an impressive achievement uh, for a black person to be the head of a Japanese institution. So naturally, he wanted to celebrate with a party at his house. And while the party was underway, uh, he got a call from his neighbours. His neighbours popped round and said to him, Oh, sounds like you're having great fun at that party. It sounds like you must be having a great time. So he said, Well, you should come join or you should come to the next one. And then he had another party, I think a few days later, and the police showed up and uh, it was a, responding to a noise complaint from the very same neighbours. And it turned out the next door neighbours, uh, the first time round, were actually sort of saying, it sounds like you're having fun, but you're very noisy and we're quite angry. But they did it in such an indirect, <laughs> roundabout way uh, that he didn't get the message from them. He didn't understand they're being too indirect. <laughs> and it is a common problem. Um, sometimes it's very hard to work out what people are thinking in Japan because they are so indirect. And many netizens came to uh, Usubi Sako's defence and sort of said, well, how was he to know? They were being really, really indirect about it. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about today, the way Japanese people give opinions and the general mindset. Mm. Obviously, I can only speculate what they said to him, uh, but it does sound like 
something that would happen, given that it's a situation I've been in a few times. Um, people here are incredibly <laughs> indirect, in stark contrast to back home. You know, you just say, turn the noise down, you're being a bit noisy. Uh, that's fantastic. No I mean, uh, and, and what I like about this is, is it, because um, people will be listening to this podcast from uh, America, people will be listening to this podcast from Europe, and I think... In many ways, um, being British, Chris, does 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 your experiences kind of um, uh, prepare you a little bit more for for Japan than say the Americans would, for example? Because the Americans are quite kind of vocal about their feelings. If they're annoyed about something, if they're interested in something, if they love something, they're they're quite um, vocal about their feelings. The British mm. are a lot more closed off. So maybe we're a little bit closer to the Japanese. Maybe it's the island nation thing. Maybe it's not. It, 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 do you kind of get that a little bit? Definitely. I think uh, my American friends always make fun of me for apologising for everything, being <laughs> British. I think we, we use the word sorry and excuse me a lot more yeah. than, uh, than American people. Uh, and I think that did prepare me a little bit, because Japan is obviously one of the most polite nations on earth. And it can be so polite that it can be difficult to wrap your head around it. Mm. Uh, so if you are British, you do have the edge, ever so slightly, I think. Uh, and I, find, I think American people are a lot more open uh, yeah. with their opinions whereas Japanese people tend to conceal them. Mm. And that takes us into the first of the three key concepts I want to discuss today. And I, I don't know if we've actually already touched on it before, uh, and that is the difference between hone and tatemai. Ah. Does any of those words ring a bell um, to you, Pete? Uh, is the tatemai, hone and tatemai. My, the, um, the mats you sleep on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. See, I don't know. I don't know. You're a funny guy, but yeah, tata yeah, tatami and tatimai. Hon, I think, might be truth. Is hon truth or, or connected Very to truth? Good. Yeah, yeah. Hon is truth. Right. Yes. Okay. So hone are that's people's know. truth, effectively. That's all I know. Yeah. Good. Well, more than I expected. You constantly <laughs> surprise me with your Japanese abilities, I must admit. I d honestly, <laughs> sometimes sometimes I'll be thinking, I'll be in the shower or something, and I remember a word. What was the one last week? Nagame, which is like the view, is it? Like the, the view from your hotel rooms, or Nagame. Yeah, Nagame. 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 Um, and I was like, I know the word, but I'll be buggered if I know where it's, what it means. <laughs> like, you sort of pick up these words like a blackbird and then you're like, I don't know where that came from or what it means. <laughs> Completely useless. I don't know why I bothered remembering it. <laughs> How many years ago was it when you first started learning Japanese? Because you've accumulated quite the vocabulary. No, it but surprises it, me every week. But it is, at what point did you actually start by learning So I've been Japanese gone words. for the last four years, I'd say. And I did the normal okay, kind of like, uh, I did the sort of normal first trip, learnt a couple of words, just please and thank yous. And then second time it was like, restaurant, can I have the bill please? Uh, and then I think the fourth time I tr attempted some, <laughs> some uh, you know, full sentences and stuff. But it's all just, you know, it's all just a bit here and a bit there. And it's always kind of like... I think it, I think it's set me instead for learning a language that isn't Japanese because I know what's important and mm. what the things you need and what the things you don't need. I mean, I've never bothered really learning the numbers that much, and that's probably quite important. But you know, when are you ever gonna? Like, well, yeah, but you use the same English characters for that, right? Yeah, and so. I'm and I'm and I'm so polite. Uh, again, being British, if I go into a shop and I go, um, if I say, "Ah, uh, God, uh, it could it could have just got, Like, how much is it? 
and they yeah. say, and whatever they say, I'm going to pay it because I'm mortified that I've even asked them. So I'm going to pay whatever <laughs> ridiculous price they're going to give me. So it doesn't matter. I don't really need to know how much things cost because I'm just scared all the time. I remember mm. being. I remember being. Um, every time I got to Japan, I come back with a seven. We're, we're diverting here massively, but every time I go to Japan, I buy a, um, a stereo, like a retro seventies boombox, because they keep their um, technology and they keep their items and they keep their possessions in such good nick. Perfect and so every yeah. yeah, so every time I go, so they'll be. They, they sometimes sell them in uh, our price or uh, HMV. Sometimes they sell them in uh, my favorite uh, departo Tokyo hands, uh, Tokyo hands, okay. and uh, not this again. Um, but I, re- I remember Plugging last time I went. Store la- last, last time I went, <laughs> I, I uh, went and to, to the man uh, with my boombox I was buying, and he said, "This is junk. Basically, this doesn't work." And I kind of wanted a working stereo, but I took it anyway. Turns out it did work. He was just sort of like being polite. That being you know, it was, yeah, he's being humble. This is junk. But I was like, well, "It does actually work." So I don't know what his uh, I don't know what his beef is with it, but I don't know. <laughs> there's a yeah, well, there's a department. There's a there's a shop here called Hard Off. I don't know if you've ever yes, been there. Yes, secondhand. And they uh, specialise. I think I took you in there actually when you were over here. But they um with, with yeah, the, they specialise in secondhand goods. Yeah, and it's just incredible the things you can find in there, like playstations and TVs from the eighties that look perfect. Oh, like, in, like fallen through like a time portal. It's something. it's incredible. They cl- they clean everything. They cover everything. Plastic hard off or uh, uh, mandrake, like the kind of toys from the seventies and the eighties mm. and stuff. These vinyl, frequently monstrosities and stuff. Uh, I remember my mate bought a um, a beautiful pristine. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, Indiana Jones from the Temple of Doom, like a full kind of uh, leather jacketed kind Indiana of plastic. Jones. Yeah, he bought an Indiana Jones, and I had my eye on it. Uh, but my mate Alex uh, got in there before me. I was furious, I was. But they they keep their toys and they keep their possessions so nice, and they they really do look after their stuff. So if you if you're mm. in the market for like retro kind of secondhand things, I mean that is the place to be, isn't it? Hard off. Hard off. Well, the name sounds a bit sounds a bit sinister, doesn't it? Well, I, I, hard off. I, I think me and you. You're hard off. Me you're hard off. You might be going in there, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and me not and you. Not quite as sinister as Starvations, the uh, discount children's clothes shop. It's which not I saw called that. Down Sendai one time. Starvation. Starvations. What's that about? What That's so that? strange. Yeah, it's just it's discount kids' clothing. <laughs> and I wonder at what point the owners sat around the table and thought, wait a minute. I know what we can name this shop. Starvations. <laughs> because of the perilous situation of the sort of people that shop here. Well, Very it's got, weird. Yeah, it's got the word star in it, I suppose, isn't it? And that and that's my true feeling on the matter. That's my hon. <laughs> it's your hone. That's my hone. So going back to it from our little detour there, <laughs> that kind of fits in. Uh, hone, yes, yeah, so hone is uh, people's true thoughts and opinions, right? Ah. Uh, you don't hear it that much. You'll hear it when people are drunk, so uh, the best part, best the most, the time you hear it the most is Japanese work parties mm. called uh, nomikai, and people would open up to me. Teachers who were shy or quiet or reserved would magically speak English at nomikai at uh, Japanese work parties. It's mm. so surreal. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde almost kind of performance. Mm. Uh, and I remember like one of my colleagues who's kind of shy and reserved. He would talk to me all the time and just really open up to me and use me as this kind of agony aunt figure uh it's quite a bizarre thing <laughs> but um in japan you're not supposed to give your like your true opinions and intentions uh you're supposed to give your tatemai your kind of public stance mm. uh where you know people are very polite and kind 
Uh, it can feel superficial at times when people are saying, oh, you're so good at using chopsticks, your Japanese is good. Well, it's not. That's <laughs> a kind of a good example of tatemai. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, t- to get around that, you either have to be friends with someone in Japan or get them drunk. And actually, Nomikais are one of the few places that you can kind of oil the social fabric or like re- relationships at work and be open with your boss. Mm. Uh, so you see, like, you see like staff sitting around their boss kind of lecturing them over a beer about what they really think because you'll never hear it in the workplace. Um, so it's quite an interesting kind of dynamic there. I know we, when we drink in the West, obviously we let a few things slip. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you, but things don't usually end up too well for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, with Japan, it's a real, real distinction. There's a real kind of... It's such a massive change, and that always shocked me. Yeah. That shocked me for my first Nomikai, my first month in, to even, you know, even now, it just surprises me when someone switches after drinking one beer. <laughs> so you're like, so, so you're like, so, so apart from the fact that, I do like the fact that you make it sound like um, as soon as Japanese people get drunk, they can suddenly speak English. But <laughs> that's obviously not the case. <laughs> because I love, uh, you know, my Japanese drinking to suddenly be able to uh, speak Japanese. But, uh, but um, I guess as an outsider, you would be treated as like a, a safe space almost to kind of talk about these I issues think, because yeah. you were kind of outside of it. I think that was another factor as well. As like the only foreigner in the school, people could weirdly turn to me with this kind of... People would tell me things that would never tell their colleagues. Mm. Their dark, like, darkest, deepest secrets. Wow. And I'll just be sitting there going, I'm just an English language assistant I'm guy. Twi- I'm 24. Me all this stuff? <laughs> people, they've, people they've cheated on or people they've like really... Jeez. Pretty hardcore secrets in my head for my time. Uh, at work you, and just from you could have, in general. You could have set up, and bearing in mind that, you know, Japanese society is very much about uh, respect and, you know, people's opinions of everybody else, you could have set up a wicked blackmail system. You could have been minted. That's so Chris. sinister. And yet, <laughs> so, so brilliant. Yeah. Yes, I Why could have been rolling in money. <laughs> and uh, I don't think that would have been the best course of action. But No. Yeah. <laughs> Become an agony aunt. Yeah. As a foreigner, you could be the agony aunt in Japan. Yeah, that's cool. What's um? What is the so, word for what is the word for um? Agony and aunt <laughs> in Japanese. That is a bloody good question. Uh, aunt is obasan or obasan. obachan, obachan. And uh, agony. Well, I don't know. You just say pain. Mm. Itai, itami. Itai. Well, I don't know if that. Oh. I don't know if that makes, just sounds weird. Itami obasan. <laughs> it just sounds like, like aunt w- in pain. <laughs> <laughs> it just and sounds aunt like in a significant amount of pain. Imagine if yeah. it just sounds like I don't know, um, wife's, um, mum's sister's death or something. <laughs> mum's sister's pain. <laughs> I don't know. Sisters of mercy. Sisters of mercy. Sister of pain. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, if you're coming to work in Japan, those that's something to bear in mind. People will compliment you. All day long, don't let it get to your head. It's mm. just, it's kind of etiquette. Yeah. People have to do it. Uh, I had a really awkward situation today, actually, which I was supposed to bring up earlier. I was at, uh, I went to a sushi restaurant with a friend, and we were sitting there uh, halfway through our meal. And this um, this 90-year-old woman, Japanese woman, came over, and without saying excuse me or sorry or anything, she just turned to my friend and went, you are very good with the chopstick. In a Japanese, in Japanese like in English, she yeah. said that. And my friends sort of looked at me, and I looked at them, and we looked at the woman, and it was just really awkward. Well, Saying you... this story back in hindsight does sound like there might be something involved mentally there, uh, in hindsight. Maybe um, she is the chopsticks yes. inspector. 
the chopstick inspector. Yeah, she's the yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, when people do compliment you on your chopsticks, on your incredible ability to use a bit of wood in your hands, uh, the typical way of getting around it. If anyone ever compliments you in Japan, you always say no, 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 and that's the only time you can really use. You, you find that people use the word "ear," which means yeah. no, right? Mm. You only use "ear" when you're kind of saying no, 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 not at all. Ah, and that takes me onto second point, which is humility. Thought I'd discuss a bit of humility, and the word for that is kenkyo. Kenkyo. Uh, so yeah, if you hear that when you're in Japan, oh, Peter, the Hongo Jozo this year, then you'll just say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mother, mother. Not si, yet, not yet. Si, senor. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm brilliant. Nihongo, benkyo shimasu. What's the one? Uh, what's that one? Is it tekitoni? What's that word, tekitoni, that's like... Um, uh, I'm, I'm a bit half-arsed about it. Tekitoni. Is that tekitoni? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> tekitoni <laughs> means, like, suitable. Suitability. Oh, never, never mind. Uh, Otoriaizu. Techie Tony sounds like some sort of technician called Tony. Exactly, that's how I remembered oh, it. Tony. My mate Tony. What's Tori Aizu? Cheeky Techie Tony. Is it Tori Aizu for now? Like, uh, this will do for now? Tori means uh, first. First, right, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Like, I'll have a beer, Tori Aizu. Showing off, showing off. <laughs> right, okay. Your knowledge. I'll find out where I was going with Techie Tony. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm certain it meant something like... I do it really half-assed. So what I like about this is this uh, podcast where we do the vocabulary is that I learn that all of the things that I've said in the past don't make any bloody sense. <laughs> and I'm just a man half... Yeah. I'm, th- I'm that woman, half I'm that old do. lady in the restaurant saying, uh, chopsticks, chopsticks, magic chopsticks. I would have loved to have seen you deal with that situation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, another good example of humility, I guess, is uh, have you ever been given a present from a Japanese friend or anyone in Japan? No. There's a set phrase to play down the present that you kind of always use when you give a gift. Okay, right. You sort of say, oh, which means like, it's excuse me for giving you this petty thing. Yeah, excuse me, it's a kind of boring thing, but uh, there you go. That's ah. what you're kind of saying to give it, but... Uh, so, you hear so, that a lot. So, tsumaranai. Um, presuming that's a negative of something, mono meaning the body of... So, uh, you know, like tabimono is food, and nomimono presumably yeah. is drink. Um, but the extended well, version... Of, kind of... Tsumaranai is an objective meaning, like, boring. Right. So, so often so, I've referred to something as boring, or tsumaranai. Right, okay. Yeah. Ah. So you're kind of saying, oh, my present's boring. Yeah. But enjoy it anyway, kind of thing. <laughs> Oh, I like that. That's nice. <laughs> and there's, uh, I've got a, li- I've got three proverbs here that mm. sum up Japanese. Oh, I sometimes find proverbs are the best way to get a handle on a mm. culture, and Japan does it in spades. The uh, most famous one, uh, and one that I use at the start of Natsuki the movie, referring to Natsuki, is "derukui wa utareru," "derukui wa utareru," which means the nail that sticks up. Gets hammered down. Yes. Right? Somebody who's not humble, somebody who's ambitious, somebody who's different. Mm. If they stand out, they'll get whacked back down, mm. kind of thing. That'll teach them. If you're not humble. I put that at the start of Natsuki the movie because it kind of refers to Natsuki in the sense that he is a little bit different, he's a little bit special, but nobody's hammered him down. Not I know Yet. Of. Yet. <laughs> Yet. There's also, well, the proverbs are there. There's a, no aru take wa tsune o kakasu. 
talented eagles hide their claws. Oh. That's good, isn't mm. it? I mean, it's just a hiding your light under a bushel sort of thing. Wearing your knowledge lightly. <laughs> well, you could say that, yeah. You could just use that in English, couldn't you? <laughs> talented eagles hide their claws. Yeah. Uh, but I my favourite, my favourite is... <laughs> Kind of graphic. It's a uh, Kijimo, uh, Kijimo Nakazabu. I can't say it. Bloody hell! It's a hard one. Kijimo Nakazuba Utarimai. Kijimo Nakazuba Utarimai. Which is it? I can't say that phrase, but it means basically the pheasant that keeps its mouth shut is least likely to get shot. <laughs> this is no sort of message thing. to the kids. You know, for everyone gets told you can inherit the earth. You know, you just need to just get out and take what you want. I mean, I'd love to see a Japanese self-help book. Just kind of like you know, just, just keep your head down. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a it. pheasant. Don't yeah, get shot. Don't be a pheasant. Put your ego, put your little claws away, eagle. <laughs> oh I mean, no! I guess one of my favourite things about Japan is that uh, Japanese people don't display their wealth. Like I remember when I was back in London the other month, I was walking through Mayfair of all places, swanky mm. district uh, in London, and I saw no less than a gold-plated Ferrari. The whole wow. Ferrari had been layered in gold. And to come from Japan, where people don't show off their wealth in any way, shape or form, it's mm. quite a shock for me to get back in that mindset of the West and the way we kind of show off how well we do a lot of the time. Or it's kind of the way we ascend the social hierarchy by showing off but I th- our I think, nice, um, shiny cars. But uh, I think uh, that's also quite... Um there is a class system in, in, in England, and there is a class system in Britain and the UK and the British Isles, but mm. uh, but I think it depends on where you're from. Certainly that would not uh, go down very well from where I'm from, <laughs> but, uh, but y- <laughs> you're seen as... Kind of, that's very southern. <laughs> that's a bit of yeah. a southern thing from from, from, from where I'm... Uh, from, you know, where, where people in my town would sort of see that. But then... How yeah. would someone up in Hartlepool display their wealth? Um, they would not have rickets. <laughs> they would not have scurvy. Encouraging stuff. Encouraging stuff. <laughs> look uh, how, the way str- they look do how Japan, straight their legs are. Look how straight that guy's legs are. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, the way they do it in Japan is uh, people just wear really nice wa- watches. Everyone yes. seems to have a Rolex watch here. Ah. Or a Seiko watch. They kind of invest a few, like $1,000. I think it's a gift you get from your parents. Right. When you hit 18, you get your watch. And, uh, yeah, that's basically how they display their wealth. That and maybe cars. But people mm. buy people rarely buy flashy cars here. You don't see BMWs or Mercedes. They kind of have the expensive, the most expensive Toyota there is. Yeah. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, it I guess... Well, I find um, it quite nice. Uh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, and, and I remember seeing a, I presume, some sort of limousine in, like, a car park in Japan the first time I went. And I was like... How's that getting around any of these little back street roads? <laughs> like, it reminded me, I used to go up with a girl in um, Fleckney in Leicester, um, and her dad was a mechanic, and he used to have a pink Cadillac. He could only drive it around, like, half the roads of you know, the Leicester kind of backwater that was Fleckney. And, and he could... And so he, he had this massive... Because, you know, like, American cars are gigantic. They're really wide because the roads are so wide there. There's so much room. Absolutely uh, but, so, yeah. but, yeah, it, but, like, Japan, there's, there's not that much room. People go for the smaller cars. People go for... Um, you know, I, I reckon they probably um, like the convenience of, like, the little kind of options and stuff inside the car. Surely they just, like, you know... A heated seat and stuff like that. Maybe they spend their money that way. Well, yeah, I've I've only seen one Lamborghini in Japan. That was mm. for a video I did, 
and that was a guy who really wanted a Lamborghini his entire life. And I've got a friend called Yuki, who you may have seen the videos, mm. and he has a big American Jeep because he seems to... Uh, he loves American culture. Yeah. And he drives around in his Jeep listening to <laughs> the Top Gun soundtrack and Harry Potter soundtrack. <laughs> and it, when you're in this car, you feel like something is going... Down. You just feel like you're in a movie or something. I've, you feel I've, like... I've been in that Jeep, haven't I? He's uh, he is uh, he is an he is an yeah you have he is an original badass that guy. Yes, did you see his BB gun collection? I didn't see his BB gun collection. He was his airsoft rifles that are like worth thousands. (laughs) Yeah, he he loves to play around with. But that's that is the thing though, isn't it? Like he's he's got like a you know five grand drawn flying it around uh, the the the, um, Hakata or whatever, and. that's the thing about um, Japanese people. They're, they're into stuff. So I, I know a couple mm. of people, or I've met a couple of people who are really into motorbikes and stuff, and their motorbikes are pristine metal creatures. So they spend all their money on that sort of thing, things they're into, rather than status symbols, let's say. Um, and I like that. It kind of plays down any sense of social anxiety. Hugely, you hugely. Like, you, know, you have to level up to yeah. get the fast cars and the nice big house with the swimming pool. There's Massively. none of that here. Yeah. And, and, you and, just have to kind of play your role in society and people sort of don't with your place in it and people don't necessarily dress you know uh, you know people who aren't into a particular scene like day to day they don't particularly dress um crazy i mean there's a lot of kind of uniclothes a lot of young men in kind of uh with like really simple bags not many um logos on it and stuff just like they just wear like a long kind of gray cardigan from uniclo and, and like you know little slippers and stuff and it's <laughs> it's um there's not a lot of flashiness. Of Uniqlo. God, I love Uniqlo. I do too. It's good, isn't it? I live and die by Uniqlo. <laughs> the Primark of Japan. <laughs> yes. If you're in Japan, go to Uniqlo. You'll find everything you want for bargain prices. It's so much cheaper than anywhere else. The one in um, the one in uh, Oxford Street in London is so expensive compared to the ones in uh, Japan. I know it comes from Japan, but still, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty incredible. But I heard Uniqlo wasn't doing that well actually in the UK. And oh, really? Closing at one point. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what I read because I think people just didn't know what it was. The first time I went in Uniqlo was before I ever came to Japan. My friend took me there, and we went in. And I couldn't work out what the shop, who the shop was for, because mm. it's kind of got a unisex vibe to it, right? Yes, yeah. So I was yeah. like, "Where's the men's section? Where's the women's section? It was, what's going on here?" Mm. And I, I felt like I couldn't really find a sense of identity in there. But now, I shop there every month, mm. and that's mainly because I don't have anywhere else to shop. But <laughs> Uniqlo is good. I won't lie, it is good. Mm. Um, well, they, yeah, what I like about it, like they, they, it is very basic stuff uh, to a certain extent. It is just kind of like plain colours. They do some lovely merino wool jumpers, very light jumpers for uh, for, for humid situations. Um, yeah, I swear by them. And they've got it's heat great. tech as well. Heat tech, yes. My mum swears heat by tech. the big jackets that are really warm, but light, incredibly light. You can wrap it up and put it in your pocket, but it's just this jacket that's like incredibly warm. So, yeah. Um, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Heat tech. <laughs> <laughs> the... Um, so going back to the... So we're going to the third way now, that uh, the third key characteristic of Japan, and that is ambiguity. I was trying to find a lead there from Uniqlo to this, and I just can't do it. Can you think of a way in? <laughs> so again, uh, a link from where? Sorry, a way in a link, link Uniqlo from... to ambiguity? Um, well, the ambiguous sexual um, gendering of their clothing. Yes, <laughs> that could work. Either way, yeah, ambiguity in uh, Japanese is uh, mai. I might. And it's one of the most frustrating concepts to wrap your head around ever. Mm. Basically, people in Japan are very uh, not certain. 
I don't usually... Certainty is seen as a bad thing. Right. It's seen as the cause behind a lot of arguments, right? Mm. If you disagree with someone, it can lead to arguments and breaking harmony. Uh, I'll give you a very brief 30-second history lesson to give you some context in it all. So because Japan is just one big mountain range, and a lot of it is uninhabitable land, unsuitable for growing crops, Mm. it meant there was lots of little closed-off communities dotted around the country... And being inside that community, one of the most important things was working together and not ever kind of getting thrown out that circle of people you work with, your group. Mm. And one way of doing that and keeping the harmony was being ambiguous. And it's something that seems to have passed on down through the generations from back in the rice fields to now. Uh, one of the best examples was when I was working as a teacher, we'd often have staff meetings every few months, and I'd, I don't know why I'd go in, I went in anyway. They'd take me in there and there'd be ten teachers sitting around a table. And one teacher would say something, an idea about something they wanted to raise, a you know, a discussion. Yeah. And then there'd be silence, and then the next person would speak for about 30 seconds. Then there'd be silence again. And the silence would go on for like 30 to 40 seconds at some points, uh, which is phenomenally awkward. Like, I don't know about you, but silence just makes me feel like I'm going to explode. And you'd sit there, 10 people, looking at the table waiting for someone else to speak and give their thoughts on it. And the idea is the kind of discussion goes round in a circle and it keeps going round until everybody reaches this mutual agreement uh, and everybody kind of agrees. And it's very different to the way we do things. Like, they don't debate in Japan. They have Mm. to kind of sit things out and wait and... Yes, so lots of awkward silences. Another great example is uh, one of my colleagues, uh, he always uses the word maybe or, yeah, probably... Mm. Probably, maybe. Every sentence he would use the words maybe or probably. And one time he came in and we were talking about animals. Don't know how. Talking about animals. And uh, (laughs) we got onto the subject of his cat. Mm. And uh, I was like, have you got a cat, sir? And he was like, well, maybe my cat is dead. And I was like, maybe your cat is dead. (laughs) It either is or isn't, right? We've talked about this before, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, exactly. Schrodinger's cat, right? (laughs) So that's a good example. And I've found that since living in Japan, I use probably a maybe quite a lot in my dialogue now, and I hate it. I hate being ambiguous in the way I speak. It doesn't really (laughs) fit my character. It's one of those things in Japan and Japanese culture that's kind of rubbed off on me over the years. How do you you sort of have a a threatening argument with somebody if you're going to have a fist fight? Yeah, like sort of, I might hit you. (laughs) You say (laughs) that again and I may very well possibly maybe not hit you in the face. (laughs) I maybe won't. Will probably <laughs> yes. It's it's a tough thing. In hindsight, maybe that is the reason that I haven't seen a fight. Maybe that's the reason people mm. don't get angry because you reach this kind of popular consensus before yeah. you push ahead. Yeah. Only downside is it means change can be a long time to instigate. Indeed. And uh, Japan kind of suffers in terms of innovation there. Have you ever heard the phrase "ma ma"? Ma ma. No. No. Ma ma. Like. Uh, if you ask someone how they're doing, mm. or how well did you do an exam, or how have you been, they might just say, oh, ma-ma, ma-ma there. Oh. And it kind of means, oh, not too bad. It's like, oh, not too bad. It's basically the way I can say it, it's like that. Not too bad. It's kind of a very, unamb- it's a very ambiguous phrase, mm. and you can read into it however you want. And that's a better way in Japan of expressing that something hasn't gone that well, I find. So, so. Yeah. I mean, How did the exam go, Pete? Oh, ma, ma. So, so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so, so. If you so, say, oh, it went brilliant, you're being, you're being cocky. If you say, 
nothing, then you're just weird. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mahama. Remember as, that. As you, uh, I will remember that. As you sort of get older, I, I sort of feel that you become a little more forthright, a little more kind of... Uh, not worrying about people's feelings, I think, because you just sort of go, mm. well, I've, I've spent, you know, I spend most of my time worrying about what people think about me and stuff. And as I get older, I'm like, you know what? That's a waste of my uh, time. <laughs> but, but but things like, I mean, ma ma, so so is. You don't just, get hate mail, do you? No, no, you no. Because I never say anything be offensive, nice. that's why, exactly. Um, but like, ma ma, like, so so, that's never a good review of anything, really. How was that? Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> How was the? It's how too was vague, the, isn't it? To yeah. Give anything. How was the uh, love making, yeah, Mama? <laughs> Mama. Yeah. So those are the three key things. Three things that kind of make up the Japanese mindset. There's loads. There's loads. We're just scraping mm. the surface here. Those are three. Fantastic. Hone and tatemai, kenkyo, humility, and aimai, ambiguity. Uh, if you are coming to live and work in Japan, then bear those three concepts in mind. Like it took me. It did take me like a year to try and understand the Japanese way of seeing things, even mm. though I'd studied Japanese culture a little bit uh, back at university, as I mentioned, but it still didn't prepare me for it all. Mm. Uh, but again, it's, it's what makes Japan such a unique and interesting place, right? Yeah, You're yeah. seeing the world from a different perspective. You're kind of experiencing the world and the thought process of the world, thought processes of the people around you in a different way that's so far gone from your own Hugely. Kind of culture. Hugely. So. And I mean, it's, it's a wonder they get anything done, and also, like, it is so... And that's why I like it. It is so different to, different to everywhere else in in uh, in Asia. You know, you've got a China, you've got a Korea, and they're a lot more um, upfront about their feelings, let's say, <laughs> when they're not running yeah, you down you know, the scooter. I, I, that, well, that's quite a weird thing. Like, a lot of Japan's... The way Japan's culture or, like, originates in China, obviously, with Confucianism mm. Taoism, uh, and yet Japan is very different with the way they deal with things. And I think that is because Japan's very mountainous, and people used to live in these kind of communities dotted throughout the country, self-reliant on these groups, and so they had to learn to deal with being kind of this collective unit a lot mm. better than, say, China, where China's much bigger, spread out, yeah. not so mountainous in the uh, in the east. So that's mm. the only reason I can think that Japan's different. That and it's been an isolated nation for a thousand years and whatnot. Definitely, definitely. But, uh, um, so, so headed over to uh, Speedy Japanese. Yeah, now corner. I'm going to test you on the four things we just learned. Ah, okay, the then. Four key phrases and words. So, cover up any writing you've done. It's <laughs> been the real test to see how clever you are. Okay. All right, we'll start with uh, public stance being your kind of your. Your public opinions. Mm, the things you say that's not the other thing. Um, well, I said it was t- tatami like the mat, so I'm going to go for uh, tatame. Tatame. Tatame? Tatame. Tatame. Good, good. Tatame. Tatame. Good, good. See, I knew that tatami <laughs> would come in handy <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Very smart. Uh, well, true I mean, intention. I mean, I guess tatami protects your floor, so it's a veneer, isn't it, of sorts? It's a thing that protects the floor, and it's a thing that goes on top of something. Your true floor <laughs> it's underneath it's <laughs> <laughs> a good one that see yeah. it's that kind of creativity that uh, see? goes hand in hand with language <laughs> learning uh true intention true intention uh yeah, so yeah. i said it was hon so it's uh honne honne good honne. yeah good mm. uh humility i don't know this one i must admit chris i can't remember this one sounds like a instant coffee brand Oh, Kenko, Kenkyo, Kenkyo. 
Hey, thank you. And I again, I like to link. I like to link words together, like words that sound quite similar. Um, um, like uh, so, kenkyo. Um, well, kenkyo and benkyo. Benkyo means to learn, I believe. Yes. So to learn, nice. benkyo, kenkyo. So benkyo, kenkyo. Learn some bloody humility. <laughs> kenkyo, benkyo. Benkyo, kenkyo. <laughs> yeah, good. Just rhymes. <laughs> The trick to learning words is just finding ones that rhyme. Yeah, definitely. And finally, ambiguity. Ambiguity. Uh, I don't know this one. I've forgotten. Sorry. I might. I might. I might. I might remember it. Yeah, eh? Very good. Very good. <laughs> oh, it. dear. Good job. Never. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mind. And to my surprise, I stumbled across a secret sexy club. Wow. So, I mean, we, we had the Q&A last week, uh, and we've just got this never-ending pile of awesome questions, and I feel bad that we can't answer them given our limited time. Mm. So let's dive into a few. Uh, we've got one from Jawad here who says, Hi, Chris and Pete. I wanted to ask you if you thought it was better to learn hiragana before learning katakana or do both at the same time. I can imagine doing both at the same time being confusing, but I can also imagine learning a bunch of new characters for sounds already learnt with hiragana to also be confusing. Mm. Warmest regards, Jawad. Now, what do you think of that, Pete? Um, Have I've you learned hiragana or katakana. I've learned hiragana. My katakana is patchy, which is weird because 
that would make it, it presumably katakana, which is the um, the Japanese versions of, of, of borrowed words, effectively. That would probably serve me better. But um, even if I even if I know the symbols for katakana, even if I can read the um, syllables, I still find mm. it difficult to relate that to any English word. So it's um, well. That's the thing with I, th- I think a lot of people struggle with katakana in that sense. We're always looking for the the guide eye or the foreign borrowed word. Yeah. Right? What is it? You know, what is it? Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of trouble with katakana, and I find a lot of people do. I'm not mm. sure why. I think it's because hiragana and katakana deal with the same kind of sounds, right? Yeah. Uh, but going back to learning them, I did hiragana and katakana back to back. Always start with hiragana. Yeah. I would say what I did is I got a big pack of, I got a deck of like flashcards, and on one side I would write the character like a i u e or in kind of you know mm. with the character. And then on the other side, I'd write the sound using just English. And I would go through, and I would look at the hiragana, and then I'd say it out loud, and I'd just keep going through the deck probably 50 times. And the ones that I kept struggling with, I'd put in a separate pile and come back to those. And that's basically how I did it. You know? mm. Just go through flashcards and read it's, it out. It's, it's and then how- once you've done that, just write them out. Just start writing them out instead. Mm. Like Flip the cards over and start looking at the more difficult side. So look at the letter A, you know, R. Or e, u, e, or in English, and then write the character so you can like try and bring it out of your memory. Mm. And then once you've done that, go on to katakana, and it's it's easy as that. I mean, I spent two weeks locked in a room, and that's basically how I mastered them. Yeah, locked away. And yeah. and I guess and I guess with you though, you um you were learning them and, and writing them out effectively, learning how to actually write them. Um, now, yeah. but I did it because I'm very visual. I think I, I, I learned them through. Um, it was actually an app. Um, can I recommend the app? I, I, it, it really is very, yeah, very go good. Because my memory's terrible, but this um, this app really helped me. Um, Doctor Moku's or Doctor Moku's uh, Hiragana Mnemonics. Like a couple of quid on on uh, on iTunes. You got a uh, you got a Katakana version as well. So both uh, alphabets are in there, but the the way that they sort of visually represent, uh, for example, the mm. more or more. Um, hiragana is like a little kind of fish hook um, with a oh, worm right, with yeah. a worm on it, saying you need more you need more worms to catch fish or something like that. And it's just little things like that really help me sort of thing. So I always think of of um, I'm trying to think of uh, like knee uh, the sign for knee. I think of a kneeling ninja uh, next to a stick. That's uh, <laughs> kind of and cough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I use those like mnemonics. Yeah, when learning kanji characters because I've right. you know, got two thousand to deal with with. Hiragana and Katakana, I didn't feel... You can't nail them out, can't you? Yeah. There aren't, yeah, there aren't you, really. many of them. How, yeah, I mean, it's up to you how hard you find learning them. If you really do struggle, then uh, definitely go down that route. There's lots yeah. of great apps out there these days. Like, oh, uh, huge. Memorize, there's the one Pete mentioned. I learned from Human Japanese in the early stages, which is an app on iOS and Android. Mm. Uh, it's really good. I don't recommend it that much, though, just because it's paid for, it's a paid for app, and... Yes, I know. You've got to be careful who you're endorsing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I lived and died by human Japanese when I arrived. Uh, yeah. It's a really good app. You can get the free version, check that out. And if you like it, you can buy it. But, uh, yeah, you shouldn't need anything, really, for the first, for Hiragana and Katakana. I think there's only 150 characters to learn. So mm. try and get them done and start writing and using Hiragana. And <clears throat> don't necessarily be tempted to learn Japanese from Romaji from just English characters. Yeah. A lot of people do start out that way, but I think it's setting you back. Uh, I knew a few people that did that, just, you know, learning Japanese words through 
Brit- uh, through English char- through British characters, <laughs> the Empire and me coming back. We're there, two British through, characters. Uh, Ramaji, Roman, yeah, Roman American characters. Mm. Uh, don't necessarily do that. I would say learn hiragana and katakana, then dive in, and you'll be all good to go. Awesome but, stuff. Uh, yeah, good luck, Jawad. Best of luck, mate. And, yeah. uh, Godspeed with the learning. If I can learn hiragana, you can certainly learn hiragana, Jawad, because <laughs> I... If you can do it, anyone can. I've killed my brain with alcohol. Um, <laughs> do, you exactly. want, uh, do you want an email from uh, Rick Fisher, uh, Chris? Yes. Uh, in, your latest, in your latest episode, the April the 12th episode, you talked about the Japanese vlog community. It uh, seems to be dwindling. Do you think there's still a viewer base for new content? My wife are considering looking at Jet, and I feel like there's uh, very little content in the way of looking experience or experiences through the lens of a couple going through the programme together. I think that's a great idea. Mm. I don't think anyone's done that that I know of. Um, I think it'd be a lovely way of experiencing Japan, to be mm. honest. Um, and there's definitely the viewer base there. There is. Anybody... I mean, there are JVlog channels popping up every week. Um, it is just tough to reach the 100,000 subscriber mark and go beyond that. I mean, it mm. took me years. Um, but yeah, no, don't... Just go for it. See what happens. I always say to people, try and make a few videos. And once you've made a few, you'll know if you want to carry on or not, you know, what you get out of it. Yeah. Uh, but go for it, definitely. And I think that's an awesome insight as well. You don't see that many couples going through... I've certainly seen no couples going through JET program, the Japan Exchange Teaching Program, making videos. So that could be a really good angle. So definitely go for it. Definitely. Like, it. The, like the day-to-day kind of like... Well, frequently grind of like, you know, getting through a week of uh, of, 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 of um, lessons and stuff. You could even like do like guides for, you know, lesson plans and things like that. I mean, I, I don't know whether that'll be a big hit uh, viewer-wise, but I'd still find it very fascinating. And if you're a couple, Chris, let's face it, one person can edit and the other person can write it and then swap over every week. And, uh, you know, just a problem shared is a problem media halved. Empire. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But I mean... One of the best things, you can, while, you're t- while you've got a job, that's the best time to do YouTube because you can fund it with mm. your earnings. I mean, that's what I did. My YouTube channel was subsidised for the first three years through my teaching job. So, yes, go for it. Go for Again. it now. And uh, if you do, drop me a line. Let me know how you get on. We've reached the end. It's, been very, it's gone very quick this week. I don't know why. <laughs> Knowledge. Knowledge. But, uh, if you do have any more questions to send in, guys, Abroad Japan podcast at gmail.com uh, I think that's an easy enough email address to remember yeah. and yes that's it for now we'll be back same time next week with another podcast thanks for listening guys no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world we'll see you next week
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 